friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the August 17th edition of the sunny side of sports. Ghana won five medals at the recent Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England. We leap into Wednesday's show with a report by Yawafusu Larbi on Ghana's bronze medal winning long jumper, Deborah Aqua. Sporty greetings, Yao. Sporty greetings, Sunny. The Commonwealth Games in Birmingham may well be one of Ghana's most successful showings at the last few editions of the competition. The contingent from the West African country won five medals, three bronze and two silver. Three of those medals came in boxing, one on the tracks and the other in the field. But it was the field medal that was of the most prominence to the country. Deborah Aqua of the Texas A&M University jumped 6.94 meters to become Ghana's first ever female to win a medal in long jump at the Games. Ever since I started doing athletics, like before, I wasn't following athletics, so I haven't seen any Ghanaian athletes, like female athletes to be specific, be on the podium. So it was kind of like an achievement for me. She sounds massively happy about her achievements now, but it did not come easy. Deborah had a basic and high school education in Ghana before she moved to the States to further her education and participate in the sports she loves. She won silver for Ghana at the African Games in Rabat in Morocco in 2019 and holds the national record in that field event. Irrespective of a steady rise, there are times when she has contemplated quitting. One classic instance of wanting to quit the sports happened right before the start of the Commonwealth Games. I really wanted to, I didn't even want to come because um, um, I got back from World, uh, World Championship and after whatever that happened, I had a problem with my Achilles and I even thought it was broken. I even injured it yesterday. That's why after my first jump, I was gonna, you know, my jump wasn't really consistent. Um, so um, I got back and I realized that um, I, they, my passport was sent to a wrong location and I had to resend it again. I did, and I know there was this other athlete from Jamaica that I know that I talked to who I sent, I sent my passport to the embassy before she did. I think she did two days after I sent mine. But she got her passport in like three days, and I wasn't getting mine. So at that point, I was like, there's no point, you know, going. So I wasn't even training. Like whenever I came back to, to, uh, to meet my passport without the visa, like I stopped training, I wasn't doing nothing until I got here. So I really wanted to quit because, like, if I if I won't be able to come, then what am I training for? Because this was going to be my last competition for the year. So if I'm not able to come, then what is the point of training? So I wasn't training at all until I got my visa to be here. So I was really shocked about my performance. Like, after now, I still think about what happened, you know, because it, it, it doesn't happen like that. Ghana's attention to sport has dwindled over the years. But for football, all other sports take the backstage. Deborah hopes her win would ginger authorities to do more for other sports in the country. There should be attention. Like, we need more attention. Like, there should be... I, like, I, I, I discussed this with, um, I think, one of the media guys. I was like, 
Um, so some of the footballers, like I'm using them as an example. I'm like, I'm using them to in this context because they are the main, you know, sport that Ghana kind of pay more attention to. They, they start from somewhere to be what they are today, to be where they are today. And I wish, I, I feel like even if they can kind of take at least 1% from what they get to support athletics, I think it will make more sense. So if they can do that, the one percent that they would take from them to fix to to, to put into Ghana athletics wouldn't um, be a big of an issue. So if they can, like any form of like anything they can do to to support Ghana athletics, I think we'll, we'll really appreciate because there are a lot of talent out there. There are really good talent out there. There are a lot of Deborah Aquas that we we don't know of because they don't get the support that they need. For the sunny side of sports, this is Yao Fusulabi in Accra. Thanks, Yao. Hello, my name is Deborah Aqua, and I'm one of Ghana's long and triple jumpers. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Elsewhere in African athletics, the South Sudan-born runner Angelina Nadai Lahalet did not win a medal at the World Championships last month, but she left the northwestern U.S. city of Eugene, Oregon with some good memories. Angelina says she feels great about achieving a personal best time in Eugene, where she clocked four minutes and 23.84 seconds in the women's 1500 meters. And she adds, I didn't run alone. I ran for millions of refugees. Lahalith was the only woman on the three-member athlete refugee team in Eugene. In an interview with Prince Nesta, Angelina talked about her journey. I come from South Sudan, but I stay in I stay in Kenya. How long have you been staying in Kenya for, and how did you end up in Kenya? I have been in, in Kenya most of my life. I think I grew up there as a refugee in Kakuma Refugee Camp, which is in Kenya. And I left South Sudan in 2002. Yeah, till to December. That was the time I left South Sudan. Until this moment, I have never been there. Where were you born in South Sudan? I was born 1st of uh, January in 1995. I was born in a place called Horobidi, uh, near town Chugudum, inside of Eastern Equatoria. Our listeners would like to know your story, because in order for us to tell them where you are today and what you do today, it's important to understand the past also. So how did you end up in, um, you know, Kenya uh, from South Sudan? As I said, I left South Sudan in 2002. Uh, we had a conflict between inter- inter-community and whereby the war broke out. You know, I could not even remember clearly because that time I was very young. Uh, at the age of maybe, I can't recall it very well, maybe let's say seven to eight years old. That was in 1999 when the war broke out. And since, like from 1999 to, to 2002, things they were not that well. And there were so many insecurity places so in 201, that was when I have one of my aunt was a close relative to me. She came and rescued most of the young boys and girls to come to Kakuma, at least maybe to get a safe place and to get a chance to go to school in Kakuma, Fijikan. And I managed to be one of them to join the group. 
are leaving my parents behind and all my siblings because I know that maybe after that moment maybe they might they might follow me behind but I didn't know that I will stay like almost uh, 18 years I haven't able to meet them until in 2019 that was the time I could able to meet with my parents after all that period of time wow that's a powerful story and how are your parents doing right now they are they are doing great you know after the moment i met with them and meet with them live live life for me it was like a miracle because i have been still like most of the years i have been growing up alone without seeing them but the moment i met with them i could not even explain my feelings And right now you're currently living in Kenya. You are here for the World Athletics Championships. What's the difference like, you know, here in the United States and Kenya? You know, if I compare here and Kenya, it's almost the same because the weather. It's almost the same hot just like in Kenya. Though at the moment in Kenya it's winter time, but some of the some part of the Kenya it is very hot. And I enjoy the environment. Mm. Yeah. You enjoy the environment. Yeah. How did you end up running as an athlete? You know, maybe let me say uh, it is a long story. First of all, I can say maybe I started running when I was still very young. I have been running. Let me say I have been running from the I have been running away from the punishment of my mom because <laughs> for example when my mom sent me somewhere or maybe sent me to pick something every time I would just start running to get it and bring it back to her. before the time reached so i don't like i don't like punishment <laughs> so from that time i used to run when she sent me i would always go very fast and come back and come back early until now in when the walk broke out i ran from safety from protection to the to the camp so that that mean that there are so many reason for me to run i run for the safety and now I ran for the competition because first I didn't know more about the running. I remember very well when I was in primary school most of the time the teachers will come and ask uh, who want to represent the school because you know in primary school uh, we don't used to have time for training but most of the time they have like term 1, term 2 and term 3 and in term 1 they used to have a competition for athletic. So what they always do in our school what they always do when it reach that time let's say for example one week to the games they will come and say do the training tomorrow we are going to have a trial today whoever win will go represent the school so i always find myself to join the group and do the selection so that is what i realized that i love anytime there is a selection i will just join and represent my school so when i was doing like this So I used to go from you know after being selected you will stand from maybe provision from district uh subdivision and then you reach to the district and division then national so this process I always find myself that I was going through until I reach to the provision you know now when you reach to the provision you are selected for the for the national whereby when you reach the national you will now find those people they have been in the training camps so for me it was so hard to proceed to and national so that is what i have been doing like several times until i was done with my my primary certificate so the moment i i joined high school 
I love uh, sports so much because even when I was in primary, I could not even, even if there is football, I will just go and play football. If there is volleyball, I will join. So I don't just like, I don't like to be so idle. Yeah, so I always like to be, <laughs> I always like to do something uh, so that if the day end, I have to know why did it end? Mm. Was it for some reason? What was I doing before the day end? So even if there is a music festival, I will join. Even if I don't have a, a good, good voice. Yeah, good voice to sing, but I will struggle to, as long as I can pronounce some of the words. What, what are some of your favorite musicians that you listen to? Uh, maybe let me say, I don't have the specific musician, but I always just listen to any song. If it have a good message, then I just love it. Oh, fantastic. But mostly, let me say, I, I love reggae, gospel song, bongo, R&B. So almost general music. You specialize in the 1500 meters. Why 1500 meters? Uh, you know the time when we were given the uh, trial in Kakumar Fijikam for the first time by Tekla Lorupe, working together with UN Share and LWF to select the team which was brought to Nairobi, Kenya for a train. I didn't know more about running, but the time in 20. 15 when we joined the camp so we were just given a random training we couldn't we won we couldn't know if you are good in 815 but thank god enough we had a coach we were brought the coach then the coach will come and give us the trial after some training and tell us this is what you can do better in this distance 815 and that is what he told me that you have to train for 15 maybe you might do it better mm. Yeah, but I feel like I can I can go for more, not just only in 15. As long as you are a runner, you know you can go for any, especially when you are middle distance, you can even proceed to the long distance. Incredible. And so um, as time goes, do you think possibly you're looking to transition from possibly 1,500 meters to other long distance or middle distance run? In fact, I have already been competing road days, mm -hmm. like in 10 kilometers, though I have not... I have not put uh, a lot of uh, effort on training for the 10 kilometer because I was still told to focus on the 1500 because sometimes it is hard to mix a road race and fill them. But to me, I have that desire, I have that call that I can do very well in long distance. And that is also my plan. If I go back from next year, I'll be trying to mix, uh, to get endurance in 5,000 or maybe 10,000. Then also I come to 15 because I felt they are... They can share both the like uh, speed endurance and endurance. Oh, fantastic. There's an athlete listening to us right now and they just like to be like you and they like to also know how you met, you know, um, the refugee team. Okay, in, in 2015, first of all in 2014, Tekela came and organized and informed the staff of UN Sharon and WF that she would love to see people running. So if you don't mind, organize the race so that people they can come and run and they pass the message in the community that whoever feel like to run you can come whether you can represent Congo, Ethiopia, South Sudan, any country or maybe Uganda just come all then. I remember in, in 2014 mm. one of my friends came and told me that oh have you heard that there is a trial and then I told her I have no idea and she told me like oh you should be having a place to represent Though South Sudan, it is, the list is already full, so you have to look for another chance. Since I have that feeling of competing, 
So one of my friends told me, oh, you can come and represent uh, Uganda because she knew me in school. Some time back we had uh, one competition in school whereby I was representing a school in high, in high school. So during that time we had the trial and I managed to to be the top two. I, know, I mean in top three because number one and number two, uh, the two Kenyan ladies took and I became number three. For that time I realized, I, I told myself, oh, if I'm the, I'm the first, which means if I'm number three, in the refugee camp, which means I was number one in general. The two Kenyans, number one, number two. From that time, I, I started to appreciate myself that oh, I can do well in running. Though it is, it is not something that I could know, maybe running is part of the competition. That is something I never knew. In 2015, when now Tekla came and organized a race that she will need a team to take to Nairobi for a training, I decided to join, though by that time I was very busy because I was concentrating with my neck examination, which is Kenya National Examination for Form 4. So after I joined the trial, I managed to be number one in 15 kilometers. So now we are told you will be joining Nairobi camp, the rest of the people who are selected there, so that you can see how far you will go. That's Angelina Nadai Lahalath, a member of the athlete refugee team at the recent World Championships in Eugene, Oregon. And she spoke with Prince Nesta in Eugene. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. On the next Straight Talk Africa, William Ruto has been declared the president-elect of Kenya after a very tight race. We'll talk about the challenges ahead in that country. We'll also preview the August 24th general elections in Angola. President João Lorenzo is running for a third term. Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa, this Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. Turning to tennis, 19-year-old British player Emma Raducanu warmed up for the defense of her U.S. Open title with an easy 6-4, 6-love victory over 40-year-old American star Serena Williams Tuesday night at a hardcourt tournament in the U.S. city of Cincinnati, Ohio. It's being described as another bump in the road on Serena's farewell tour. She said last week in a Vogue magazine article that her tennis career is winding down. Serena Williams waved to the crowd in Cincinnati as she left the court. And how did Emma Raducanu feel after needing only 65 minutes to beat Serena Williams? It was pretty amazing, to be honest. I can't believe I just played Serena Williams. It's, it's something that I think I'm really fortunate to to have been able to do and um for our careers to have crossed when when there's such a big gap and and watching her growing up it was an amazing experience to just play her and uh i think from the beginning to the end i was you know i maybe looked calm but i was definitely i just knew how important every single point was because you let up a little bit and um yeah she's going to be all over you so yeah She's just such a legend. This was the first career meeting between Emma Raducanu and Serena Williams. And just to put their careers and age difference in perspective, 
Serena was the world number one and had already won four major titles when Emma Raducanu was born in November 2002. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. And as the Voice of America celebrates its 80th year of broadcasting, this VOA historical note, the great American jazz man Louis Armstrong recorded that VOA ID we just heard at our VOA headquarters here in Washington before his death in 1971. And let me serve this Louis tennis tidbit to our VOA listeners. The 14,000-seat Louis Armstrong Stadium, one of the venues for the upcoming U.S. Open Tennis Tournament in New York, is named after jazz musician Louis Armstrong lived near the stadium before he died. Meanwhile, Serena Williams wasn't the only big name to lose at that Cincinnati tennis tournament. Four-time Grand Slam champion Naomi Osaka of Japan was defeated in straight sets by China's Zhang Shuai, 6-4 and 7-5. And the tournament lost another big name when 18-year-old American Coco Gauff retired from her match against Marie Buskova of the Czech Republic with a left ankle injury. And Serena's older sister, Venus Williams, also lost at the Cincinnati tournament. Venus fell to Karolina Pliskova of the Czech Republic, 7-5 and 6-1. Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of the music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. Just ahead, the AP's Bruce Morton will take a look at Tuesday's Major League Baseball action. A pair of tight races in the National League. In the Central Division, St. Louis began Tuesday with a two-game lead over the Brewers. The Cardinals beat Colorado 5-4. In order to keep pace, Milwaukee needed to defeat the Dodgers. Chuck Freeman tells the story. The floundering Brewers blew a late lead, but then rallied from a one-run deficit in the bottom of the 11th inning to beat the Dodgers 5-4. Victor Caratini delivered a one-out bloop single to score the tying and winning runs. Then after the Brewers loaded the bases against Dodgers closer Craig Kimbrell. Meanwhile, the Braves pulled it within three and a half games of the Mets in the East with a 5-0 decision behind a 12-strikeout performance from Charlie Morton. First baseman Matt Olson says Atlanta is helping itself by taking the first two games of this series. It's good to come out and, and get these first two. Obviously, we got uh, 
couple good arms coming up these next two. And it won't get any easier for the Braves as they still have to face Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. Other National League winners were the Phillies, Marlins, Cubs, and Giants. In the American League, the Yankees may lead the East, but they lost for the 10th time in 12 starts when they were beaten by Tampa Bay 3-1. Rays manager Kevin Cash likes how his club has won four straight, including the last two in the Bronx. Wins in this ballpark against this team, that, they, they can elevate you a little bit, make you feel that much better. In another AL East game with playoff implications, the Orioles won in Toronto 4-2. In the race for the American League's final wildcard spot, the O's trailed the Jays by one-half game. The remaining junior circuit winners were the Red Sox, White Sox, Tigers, Twins, A's, and M's. Bruce Morton. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including President Joe Biden signs the Democrats' massive climate, health, and tax bill into law, marking a major accomplishment for his domestic agenda less than three months before midterm elections. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Thanks, Kim. World football's governing body, FIFA, suspended India earlier this week. Joining us now with reaction is VOA's Gwen Uden. Hey there, Gwen. Hey there, Sonny. India celebrated its 75 years of independence on Monday. But hours later, the country's All India Football Federation, or AIFF, was suspended by FIFA due to, quote, undue influence from third parties. This constitutes a serious violation of the FIFA statutes, which state that member federations must be free from legal and political interference in their respective countries. Following the decision, Indian Football Association Secretary Anir Bandhuta called the suspension an embarrassment for India. It is very humiliating for the entire footballing fraternity for, of India and uh, this is not the way we should go ahead. We should, we should understand that FIFA worldwide doesn't accept any third-party intervention in the administration of football. And I think the court and CEO has to understand that the court has to take necessary action to immediately remove any intervention from COA or from the court and let AIFF function independently so that the new body, a new body can be elected. For the past three months, AIFF has been governed by a three-member committee of administrators appointed by India's Supreme Court, which FIFA considers to be third-party interference. The ban will be lifted once the Supreme Court ruling has been repealed and the AIFF administration has regained full control of the association's daily affairs. Until then, AIFF's former General Secretary Kusha Dahl says the suspension will have a negative impact on Indian football and their participation in the Asian Football Confederation. If the ban goes on, which I hope it won't, because I think they'll find a solution, it will impact Indian football very badly because the national team can't play, the clubs can't participate in the AFC competitions. <clears throat> There'll be a problem with getting players from outside India. 
In yet another setback, the suspension comes ahead of the Under-17 Women's World Cup, scheduled to begin on October 11th in India. However, the country has been stripped of its right to host the tournament. And with Indian football club Mohan Bagan no longer allowed to compete in the AFC, Anir Banduta says Indian football has entered into the dark ages. We all know that Mohan Bagan is participating in AFC Cup, which will be stopped. They won't be allowed to participate in that. The under-17 Women's World Cup was scheduled in Bengal and India. That will be also taken away from us and it will push back Indian football into dark ages. And Kusha Dahl says he hopes the ban will soon be lifted. I'm sure these are wise people. Uh, there is a COA, there is who are very experienced people, there is the ministry and there is FIFA, of course, and they will find a solution uh, with the help of the judiciary, the Supreme Court. Tuesday marks the first time the AIFF has been suspended by FIFA in its 85-year history. FIFA has previously banned other national associations over similar cases of third-party interference. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. And that wraps up the August 17th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side.